around here, it's interesting. I've talked about it before when these when these come together like that. That's the the, the glyph for silence. So that was kind of clever. I didn't pick it up. I'm gonna work. I don't remember what the title of the talk was. Seeing distraction. Seeing, seeing distraction. So another word for distraction is uh, ignorance. Ignorance, just like uh, it's one of the three poisons, uh, teachings of Buddhism, of uh, passion or grasping or fixation, or that shows up lots of different ways. Uh, passion can show up as just an excuse for something, or an explanation, or an elaboration. Passion, passion, always, it's never about that. It's always uh, that in itself. It's about that uh, in itself as far as what you think about it or add to it or judge it or so on. So passion. And aggression is pretty obvious. That's just slamming it, get rid of it, chop it up, carry it away. Um, and then ignorance can show up lots of different ways. The obvious form of ignorance is just you just ignore. But there's other kinds of ignorance. Uh, one kind of ignorance that's quite often missed is the ignorance that comes out of focus. Like if I focus on this screen, I basically am ignoring everything else and everyone else. If I focus on one person, there is a, a quality of ignoring or being dismissive. So the focus actually is or can be the distraction. So when something magnetizes you, when somebody reaches out and magnetizes you, that's uh, a distract a form of distraction and again when I say again I mean again and again and again and again I say this over and over again here I go again saying it again you don't have to get rid of anything you don't have to get rid of aggression you don't have to get rid of passion you don't have to get rid of ignorance it's always about awareness of which there is no word in French for that or is there did you think of one huh oh sorry perception yeah perception that's the one that uh, Caroline is decided to use. Interesting the way languages work to represent something else. Symbols. What was the title again? Seeing distraction. <laughs> <laughs> it's very distracting. I have to remember something. So seeing the way in which you personally are distracted from this into that, or from that back into this, distracted, uh, is not something to be solved or gotten rid of, uh, fixed prepared, sealed off, modified, manipulated, and so on. It's just to be seen. The more you can you can work with whatever is arising just as it is without thinking about it, without adding anything to it, without any elaborations around it, the closer you are toward, towards uh, actually seeing what is fundamentally true about any given phenomenon. Just that much closer because there, there's not... There's not several layers of distraction, several layers of ignoring, several layers of uh, looking some uh, in some other direction in front of that. Uh, the downside of that is the self-centeredness of the ego mind does not like that. So the, who you are does not like that because it tends to be threatening because you're kind of taking away the very fuel of ego, which are the three poisons. They need to rotate. You, aggression comes out, and then there's uh, feeling sorry that you're aggressive, which is passion. So there's aggression, and then, you know, um, regret. And then the next thing is ignoring, or just turning away totally from that whole 
situation, which causes it to do what? Show right, show up again. As soon as there's a trigger for that unexamined situation, it can come up again. So reflect on this. If you are aware of your ignorance and you're not getting rid of it, you're not jumping into an explanation, passion, you're just aware. You're not jumping out of aggression into, uh, into uh, uh, passion, explaining why you were aggressive or no explanation not jumping into causes and conditions or um, any kind of fabrication about something else that causes that circularity to happen. And this is why there's birth and death and success and failure and light and dark, winning and losing, and all of the other, uh, what's referred to in Buddhism as the eight worldly dharmas. And there's so many polarities. You can't have success without failure. The very word success, the very meaning of success gets its it's its meaning from failure. If there were just success and no failure, uh, you'd be quite bored. So as I go along here, I, I want to encourage you to, to ask questions as they arise or as you hear this. If you have questions, um, the, the whole quality of the whole presentation can possibly go maybe in a totally different way than it would have if you'd never said anything. And it also might uh, deepen the whole thing. It's very good to work with each other and do this together. Yes. So I believe you just said, uh, if you're aware of ignorance, your ignorance, how is that possible? So in the it, fundamentally, it isn't because it's, it's ignorance. You can't be aware of something in its very nature is not aware. But you can be aware. That's why you, using the word distraction, you can kind of you, you can kind of look back and see that you were distracted. Maybe even. Uh, uh, microseconds back and see that there was a distraction going on or there's some kind of a turning away quality going on so we can catch up with it a little bit more it just seemed like a contradiction yeah by it, nature it is if, well, but, but but it's circular it's never nothing ever nothing lasts one of the teachings of the of the buddhism uh, the basic teachings of buddhism is impermanence one of the three marks of existence nothing lasts the other one is everything is discontent or suffering, and the other one is there. Are, there is no solid self anywhere. So we begin. We see that that rotation. You can actually watch yourself do it. One of the one of the simplest ways to uh, to experience it is when uh, when one uh, maybe gets mad about something or irritated, and you know, maybe you spout off a little bit, and then and then as soon as you do that, you feel kind of sheepish about it and you start to feel a little guilty about it. You've actually gone from the aggression into the passion part when it might be have been better, just just saying another way of working with it, that as soon as there's uh, aggression to do not abandon that aggression. In other words, that doesn't mean keep being aggressive, but just look at the, this is your, uh, what we call a Dharma gate, this is your opportunity to really look at your aggressiveness. It's very, the momentum of it is so powerful that you probably will only get a few flashes of it before it starts to go into some kind of remorse about that. It's always about the self-centeredness trying to protect itself. So it's protecting itself through the aggression because that's the impulse, but then it's protecting itself also by making excuses or being sorry. I'm really sorry. Any of you have been... Uh, uh, in, in marriages is quite often what happens is somebody does something aggressive, and then we feel really sad about it. We apologize. Oh, I'm so sorry. I just shouldn't have done that. I don't know why I keep doing that. Very sneaky stuff. 
not wrong, not wrong to do that. There isn't any right. Right and wrong are just a, just a misunderstanding, and it's extra. And a, a right and wrong is something we lay on top of things, so you're never going to find out what it is. Right and wrong will keep you sealed away from ultimate reality, uh, keep you sealed away from your innate Buddha nature, keep you sealed away from your uh, raw heart. Yes. Um, can we communicate about a transgression without it um, falling into some form of passion? No, you, you just do it in a reasonable way. I mean, I'm not going to give you a, an example particularly, but yes, if you're if you're if you're not if you're aware that that going into some kind of apology about it or some kind of remorse or going to some kind of emotional dimension uh, is actually abandoning the very uh, aggression that that you could actually just just be aware of. But you have to be you have to watch it that you aren't trying to get some kind of a get off the hook by the person you're addressing. Go ahead. What does it look or feel like to not be aggression? Painful. Because if you've just been aggressive with someone, some situation, even with yourself, stay there. And when I say stay there, I'm not saying maintain the aggression, but just look at it. I mean, maybe an example, rather than have uh, an example of someone when you're mad at someone else, maybe when you're mad at yourself for um, uh, goofing something up, you're trying to fix something and something slips and you break something and you just get mad. Know, just the idea, rather than go into the, go away from that and try not to be mad, that would be for a meditator. This isn't going to work for people unless you have a strong awareness practice going on to to actually stay with that anger, and not by fixating or clinging to it necessarily, but just you're just flashing on what that is, just what that is. Why questions don't work here? Why will immediately take you into because, and because is more passion. Yes. We see that we've already left the aggression. Is there? Should we try to go back to it, or what should we do at that point? Probably not. But, but even that is awareness. So to, to actually be aware that you that you, you you you've left it. So there's still awareness happening. When when forms arise in the awareness, where the awareness is stronger than the than the validity or uh, than the belief or disbelief in the form, uh, then then awareness is taking, not taking sides. This is your Buddha nature. This is uh, what uh, anyone teaching this material is trying to introduce you to, is your Buddha nature. Your Buddha nature doesn't have, doesn't pick and choose. Even when there's a horrible thing over here and a wonderful, lovely thing over here, it sees the difference, but it doesn't select, doesn't pick things out. And it's really easy to misunderstand and say, well, you can't just let this terrible thing go. You have to do something about it. There's, there's something to that, but not quite as much as people tend to make of it sometimes. More? More. Uh, say again what it is to be sealed away from what we're looking at. So what seals us away is our ideas about something. Like if you see something and you... Uh, if you see something and you don't know what it is, then that's... then you're seeing it. But if you know what it is, you've already start, started to abandon it and opted for ideas, opinions, names, forms, positions, value, relative value, and so on. As I, I quite often point to, uh, uh, although when you doesn't have a Raksu on, she has a robe on, but she, on her Raksu, when I ordained her in 2010, I wrote on the back, nothing else. And I didn't, I didn't, I didn't when I wrote that, I didn't think, well, see, now what's a really cool thing I could write on her? Rocks, it would be really helpful to her. 
you know, it just came. I didn't even know what I'd written till I wrote it, and then I still didn't even know what it meant. And it's and it, over time, it just it means that there isn't anything else but this. It's not that there isn't a whole lot of other things, but the other way of saying that is they're not separate. They aren't separate things. They just look like it. But later on, when I saw what that meant, I thought, <laughs> I must know what's happening. Question? Make it a really easy one. Yeah, go ahead. You said if we know what something is, we've left it. Is there a knowing that doesn't leave? Situation. Yeah, there's a yeah. It's a knowing that you can't know. Thank you. That's a good question. That's a very clear. That's one of the clearest questions I've ever heard, and it's not a compliment. Just a description of a really, really good. <laughs> Do you feel any kind of you know kind of puffing up going on? Something. Yeah. <laughs> if there's something puffing up, then that's that's the degree to which you are buying into a solid self. They can win or lose. Just like if I criti I very seldom compliment you. Usually it's just a criticism. I know you feel those. And there and there what are, what is the intention there? It's meant to help you. It's not meant to hurt you. I don't want to hurt anyone. If I could do this without hurting anybody, I would do that. It doesn't seem possible. I'm I'm uh, I, I don't have a I don't have control of that. Like I, mean, I have some control. I can pick this up, I can put it down. That's about the extent of it. Everything else is just occurring, and I happen to be uh, blamed <laughs> or credited. Question. You don't have to think one. No, I did have a question. You said um, something along the lines of the degree to which you puff up is the degree to which you believe in itself. Is it something like that? Yeah. Um, I was just wondering about, you've said that there's still those qualities arising in you. Is there still mm -hmm. a belief in a self? When there's a feeling like credit, mm, yeah, but the, you see, the self is not real. So you have to start somewhere. First, you have to see. First, you have to see that that's the self, and then, as you work with that, then you see that that self is always changing and fluctuating. It's discontinuous, so it's insubstantial. So the, the more you go, you realize that that there's a something happening there, but it is dependently arisen. So it's not a it's not a like a being who is somebody who's losing. There's still a losing happening, or there's still a crediting happening, but there's no one losing and there's no one being credited. So it is a, it is a, uh, let's see, what is that called? Um, what does Jeffrey Hopkins call that? He's, he, you guys were talking about it last week, studying his uh, meditation on empty. Don't be a smart aleck. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was that? The, the basis of, the, that's the basis of, uh, Designation. designation, yeah. It's a basis of designation, yeah, very good. Did you puff up? Yeah. Did you puff up? <laughs> well, puff down. <laughs> <laughs> so again, it's always a, it's always about uh, it's always about awareness. It, it's not about what happens in the awareness. I mean, it is somewhat, but it's but the, the important thing is just the spaciousness of the awareness. And then whatever needs to resolve itself will will do that if, if you don't meddle with it. Carmen. Um, can you help me understand the role of the apology a little bit better? Like I can. I'm interested in like the restorative justice, but also like what also is behind that that I have not seen. So yeah, and restorative justice, uh, I'm not actively involved in that, but I have a, I know a little bit about it. 
and the idea of working with uh, with uh, the difficulty between people when you have a, a perpetrator and a victim and so on, and working with with their situation directly rather than trying to take someone who has apparently done something bad and punishing them, or it's just a it's a very primitive way of working in society. Punishment is, and it's just as bad if it's a if it's a six year old that you're spanking. It's just it just doesn't make any sense to do that ultimately. And so, as far as uh, apologies, the, I say it. Those of you who've heard me talk about this, I have a lot to say about that. It's a whole topic we could I could give a talk on. But I would say apologize once. That's it. You apologize once, then then that's there's some sincerity in that. But to apologize more than that, and look, you're trying to get something from it. So it needs to be very clear. Just like if you. It's, a, it's kind of a spontaneous thing. If you bump into somebody or someone has a glass of water or something, you bump and they spill a little bit. You, oh, sorry about that. And that's sincere. And, and, it's, and it's, in, it's in proportion to what's happening. But if one continues to go on, then, uh, I, and I mean this even to the point of where you've done something really terrible to somebody. Make it one time. I know it, you know, it would be painful. You'd like to kind of get... You know, the, the apology isn't so bad. It's the forgiveness part that is just, I think, is a bullshit. I don't mind saying it on there either. Uh, for, forgiveness perpetuates the self-centeredness and the ego. You've got the one who's forgiving, the one who's been forgiven. And it's just, it's just a perpetual merry-go-round of uh, confusion. It just perpetuates that. You know, you, you don't have the power to forgive anybody. You know, you can't forgive anybody. You know, that's a that's a when you do that there there's some kind of a well I'm just going to forget you know they gave me a rough time but I I forgave them very fishy I'm happy to uh, take your arguments now if you'd like to do that there's a lot of people that make their living teaching forgiveness I'm making my living teaching forgiveness yes I'm just wondering what you mean when you say you don't have the power to forgive them or reflect on it. Somebody does something that is, uh, that is uh, clumsy or, or wrong or hurtful to you, uh, and then they say, I'm sorry. I'm not saying you say, oh, don't mention it or don't worry about it. I'm not, saying, I'm not talking about that kind of uh, forgiveness. You know, that's okay. It's the kind of forgiveness where somebody's done something really difficult, and then they come to you, or maybe they don't. Maybe you decide that you don't want to feel that way anymore, so you just forgive them. Rather than have me explain it, it would be a good thing to contemplate a little bit. I didn't understand it the first 50 years of my life. Michelle. So is that forgiveness almost, like, or I guess the way I'm seeing it is that you're almost ignoring what those feelings are? Could be a little bit of that. But it's more like increasing the, the self-centeredness of the one who is, you know, who is, who lets, uh, I, I forgave them. So it's, it's about manipulating that, those situations based on a belief in identity, anybody's identity, the identity here or the identity over there. So again, I'm not, doing, I'm not getting rid of it. I'm just saying it, you know, a little bit of that is all right, but too much of it just tends to stretch or empower or make the person uh, to emphasize the, the culpability so much. I could say it this way. When, if, if you commit... An act that is really, really harmful to someone else. The causes and conditions that bring that about are unsearchable. I'm not saying that you couldn't find something. You could say, "Well, I was treated really bad when I was um, 
I mean, there's just so many ways you could say this is, I mean, if I, I could go back and say, uh, the reason I'm doing what I'm doing here is because I was abused when I was a child, to use the standard words for that. But really be careful when you, when you go into those areas and you, because the ego mind wants results and it wants facts and there aren't any, I'm not saying an, an argument with facts, I'm saying, I'm saying that they, they don't, they don't function in the way that we tend to want to try to use them to support our view or our ideas or our philosophy or, and so on. But when you say unsearchable, um, what's, what am I saying? What's that run around that looks like searching? Fiction, uh, circle. When I say it's unsearchable, sure, you can do a little bit. You can do some searching. Well, this caused that, and then this happened, and then they did this. So lock them up, or, or some version of that. I don't mean to be disrespectful to anyone, but I'm saying that you can't find the first cause for any for anything. The very nature of the Buddha's discovery in 2,000 years ago is dependent origination. You can't find a solid, separate thing anywhere. If you understand that, you, you all if you really understand that deeply, not just conceptually, uh, then all animosity and hatred is completely gone without going anywhere. You, there needs to be somebody to have the hatred. Otherwise, it's just energy. There's no identity behind it. Then it, it just, it can't get fuel. It can't get, it looks everywhere for gasoline. They can't find it. It looks everywhere for warfare, but it can't find it. Can we stop searching? You don't have to stop searching uh, unless you're a student of uh, Papaji. Papaji wants you to stop searching. But I would, the way I would say this is just see that you search. See the way you keep looking for what? Something else. This is why this is written on her rock suit. Nothing else. There isn't anything else but this. What you're looking for, as you've heard me say about 38 times, 462 times, you're looking at. What you're looking for, you're looking at. And what is that you're looking for? Happiness. Contentment, peace, we could use those relative situations. And where is that at? Right here. It isn't somewhere else. With somewhere else, this is suffering. Always looking for something else, something better, something bigger. And it's it's very challenging because if you if you take this literally and you sit down and like we do here and face a wall or just sit down anywhere. Don't have to be a meditator, just sit down and look at the floor, look at the tabletop. If you do that enough, you'll see the way in which you're unhappy with this. You want something else. Unless this uh, temporarily becomes somehow entertaining. entertaining. Like there's this that's really not so good and then, then there's Netflix. Sorry. I know that's not a good example. I really apologize from the bottom of my heart. Yes. <laughs> John from North Carolina asks... John from North Carolina... How does one quit a habit in a way that isn't involving the three poisons? So I, I don't know if there's a particular formula for that, but I'm, I'm very biased in this area. I'd say you have to sit down, hold still, and spend a lot of time looking at the wall, looking at the floor, looking at the whatever's in front of you, and stretch that awareness. And the way you do that is you watch what moves in awareness without adding to it. You watch what moves in awareness without subtracting. So in other words, passion aggression and without looking away or if you do any of those you see the way in which you do that over and over a period of time eventually you start to look at the apparent or the imputed identity of someone seeing that and you won't find anybody and when you don't find anybody then all of this becomes uh, uh, a stage with no director 
and the energy because of dependent origination, that energy may go on for three days, three months, three years, may go on for quite a long time, pushing this, pushing that. The force of karma is coming from beginningless time until, until this situation. So it may drop away right away. You, you, may, you may be dealing with that for quite a while. No guarantees of anything. Uh, a guarantee of anything is disrespectful. Even if, even if you're pretty sure something's going to happen, guarantee anybody uh, you know, that something will happen for sure. It's just disrespectful because it's, it's trying to manipulate someone, like advertising. Uh, Drew from Florida has a question. Drew from Florida. He asks, is it ever helpful to forgive yourself just once? Well, I think you could do it once, perhaps. The, the problem with that, if I, if I may say it this way, we're, we're not talking about 12-step uh, programs. I'm not against that. I say, if you need to do that, please go do it. Mixing it with meditation practice, which everybody keeps trying to do, and they've been trying to do it since the 70s, since I first started practicing. We're trying to figure out how we can make 12-step programs and meditation work. Uh, probably not going to work too well, because 12-step programs are about hanging out with your homies and sharing stories back and forth, back and forth, passing the talking stick around. I don't mean to be disrespectful. I'm just saying that all of that gossip of constantly talking about who we are and how we how we got sober and on and on is uh, uh, it may keep you sober for 20 years. And if that's what you want, then by all means do that. But if you want to fundamentally awake, awaken to the, what reality is, so when death comes without warning and this body will be a corpse, you'll see that who you are can't die because it's never been born. But if you're identified with a body, it's going to be terrifying. So a uh, 12-step program is more of a maintenance. It keeps you away from the whatever, whatever the difficulty is. And maybe that's what you need to do. Maybe you could do 12-step for a while and then do um, awareness practice. But, but bringing them together is, uh, they, can't, they tend to cancel each other out somewhat. Maybe the 12-step program would be helped by meditation. I don't know. Meditation is about seeing what is the truth and not about building up some kind of slogans and walls and things so that you don't have any problems anymore. There's a lot more to that. I mean, I could, we could talk all night about that situation. And as I'll, if I didn't say it, I said it already, but I'll say it again. I'm not against 12-step programs. I participated in back in the 80s. I went to so many Al-Anon meetings. I can't remember them all. And so I, there's a lot of value there. But I'm just saying... Uh, sitting practice of meditation, if you can do enough of it, that's what, that's what seems to be necessary. And of course, as I said, I'm very biased, having been doing this for a long time. Further question? Yes, sir. Going off that 12-step idea. Yes. With my history, being someone that might be a candidate for something like yeah. that. Yes. What is it that we do? Because it doesn't seem like maintenance, but it's helpful. What is, what is the document? Even here? And then with me and you. With how we talk. What, what is important is that you continue to go back and train your mind and see what is true for yourself. So that's all the teaching person, all the, if they're, if they're Buddhist teacher, if they're actually teaching what the Buddha taught, then they're encouraging you to see who you are, find out who you are. And that can show up lots of different ways. It may show up as criticism of you, it may show up as uh, hugs and kisses. I mean, it can show up all kinds, which could be just as threatening as criticizing you. Somebody who is not happy with himself and trying to hide out from that isn't going to sit too well for, the, for you to really, really like them because they don't like themselves. But then someone else who 
is having trouble with that could go another way and they might really appreciate uh, affection. But the teaching person, if they are teaching what this whole thing represents, they are not making decisions about you based on a strategy like a psychiatrist or a, or anybody would, or like a, your, your your sponsor would in a 12 step. They aren't deciding different things that how to handle. They don't do that. I'm not doing that. I don't know what in the hell I'm doing. That's why I can do this. If I knew what I was doing, I would be terrified to come up here. But I'm not terrified. And if I were terrified, uh, run away. Well, anymore I can. Questions are good if you have them. Please help help uh, help me help help us go deeper into this material. If you have something about something I've said you want to talk about, I'm I'm here to do this. I know this throw a compliment my way, I'll twist that into an insult. Is that still topping up? Yeah. No, you want control. You can't actually just receive a compliment. <laughs> Am I laughing at you? No. You gotta work on that. Yes, yes. What's your question? Receive a compliment or an insult without uh, the, the way you begin to do that is to see the way you puff up without without stopping it, without without adding to it or supporting it, and without turning away from it. Again, it's a three-point. Do nothing with it. That's very difficult for, if there's any kind of self-centeredness going on, it's very difficult to have anything happen without changing it, modifying it, adding it, interpreting it, elaborating on it. Because if whatever occurs is just what occurs, and if you don't know what it is, then you're... Uh, um, getting warm. Time to quit already? Michelle? So if we are aware of what happens, let's say we get complimented. Yes. We notice that we kind of puff up our ego. Yes. Like, hey, yeah. Go me. It, who, but what is, what is looking at that? Isn't isn't us noticing? Oh, I noticed that that is my ego puffing up. Is that ego? Yeah. Any elaboration is is a, is a uh, any elaboration at all is uh, self centered. Or the in the Yogacara tradition, it's called the seventh consciousness or the ego mind or the klesha mind or that mind that is uh, is always uh, uh, has a lot of has self pride and and has a lot of paranoia about being someone uh, hurting them, offending them, criticizing them, taking their inventory. And also is very sensitive about anyone complimenting them or giving them some accolades around something. And they might be very good at not showing that. So. Yeah. So what is it that wants to get rid of that? The first place I jump to is, well, I don't want to be that way. I don't want to be that way. That's the second noble truth of the Buddha, the first noble truth is life is, uh, was it suffering? Yeah. Dissatisfaction. The second noble truth is we want things to be different than they are. We don't want to be. And so there's some kind of a belief that you are that. When in actuality, you're neither that nor the opposite of that. There is no reference point there. You begin to see that as then the self-centeredness can come and go. It can show up, it can disappear. Uh, it can go this way, go that way. Uh, what, it, what is actually real and what is fundamentally important is, is not threatened by anything. It's not, it's not particularly supported by compliments and it's not threatened by criticism. It doesn't mean that if someone came and said to you, you know, the way you were handling that 
particular situation. I think you could have been more skillful. You seemed to do things in such a way that would made things more difficult for people. Doesn't mean you wouldn't listen to that. Doesn't mean you're just kind of above that because you have no self. I'm saying that it's a very, very pragmatic situation. What's different is nothing extra. You would actually hear that. You would look at the situation, and you may make some adjust adjustments. But there wouldn't be any self criticism. There were no, nor would there be any congratulations of the other person for helping you so much. There, there wouldn't be anything extra. Nothing else it would just be that. You're still in a relative uh, mixture. Yes, Michael. When we start to sit for longer periods of time, and irritation and physical pain start to creep in, um, how can we continue to look at that without seeking a distraction? So, well, one thing, move to a chair, stand up, do some walking meditation. Now that was a misunderstanding of the Zen tradition, there's, you know, you have these sticks. The Japanese are very macho, and I'm not picking on the Japanese, I like them. But they, you know, tend to uh, emphasize, you know, martial. So, but the way we're looking at it here is, well, be, you know, be, be good to yourself. I mean, respect how your body, if your body is talking to you and your legs are hurting, you don't want to. You're not going to sit there and macho your way through it, you know, like like they do. Maybe not always, but quite often. That's how it started out with this person. That kind of training is a, it's a misunderstanding. It's just a misunderstanding. It's not bad or evil. People tend to, who are teaching this kind of thing, tend to think that you just need to hold very still no matter what. Even though you're three people, one person can hold very still. There's not a problem at all. They probably sit there all day just because of their physiology. Whereas one, another person can't sit still for three minutes without being in pain. And so if you reflect on it a little bit, why would you come in and make one, one size fits all? It'd be different. You better not move your hand like that. Look, look to me like you had a question. More about that. I feel like I missed part of your... By responding to it in a certain way, I modified the what, what, what you asked the question. Well, I've just noticed that... Uh since I've been sitting a lot past three days, uh, I've just been more fixated on mental distraction. I can respond to that. That's awareness of fixation. And that has to happen. It's not about getting rid of fixation. It's not about getting rid of anything. There's nothing to get rid of. If there's something to get rid of, then there's a self that's going to get rid of it. It reinforces the self. So oh, it's just awareness. And I would say, my friend, just continue. What I'm seeing is someone on the side of a mountain that's going up a mountain. And you, you need to reach the top. The, the, the path of going up the mountain is not going to look like the top. It looks like brambles and prickers and places to stub your toe. And I would say, just continue. Don't add, don't subtract, don't divide. Don't, don't add any interpretation. If you get, come to a, a log or if you slip and hit your nose on a, a turtle, which could happen. <laughs> but you don't blame the turtle. He was just trying to attain enlightenment, too. So it's awareness, it's about include. I, I sometimes say, don't conclude. Don't come to any conclusion about anything. Life is difficult enough without your dumb conclusions or opinions. As soon as you have an opinion on anything, this is what your, your awareness does. Okay, and I can make it another week now. Because you have a conclusion. It's just a, it's an escape hatch out of the spiritual path, back onto the mundane path of success and failure and cause and effect. Go ahead. I think that's what I'm dealing with. But you're aware of it. And so I would say, just continue. Just nothing to correct. There's, there's just the phenomena that are coming and going in different forms, and teasing you into accepting, rejecting, magnetizing you into this, and pushing you out of that. 
and what will happen eventually, there's no guarantee, but what will happen is that, that you'll look at the phenomena long enough, and then at some point, that awareness is looking at the phenomena coming and going and coming and going, which is the way I teach this. Watch what moves. Eventually, you will, it's not, not up to me to decide when, or even if, at some point, you will look and you won't find anyone. You won't find anyone that's seeing. You, you see that there's a seeing, there's a hearing, smelling, tasting, touching, thinking, but there's no thinker, there's no smeller, there's no yeller, there isn't anything. Not separate. There's no solid being anywhere. Yes, go ahead. Is it necessary to not act on that fixation off the cushion? So there's no, I mean, you're living in a monastery for the next month or whatever. So I would say for the time being, don't, don't act on anything. Just stay here for a month. Do what you're told. And then when the month is up, then go back into skydiving or whatever it was. You know, I guess that was Michelle. <laughs> I mean, to go, you know, I'm just saying, just use the forms to help clarify the, the confusion about forms. About, about any form, about other people's forms, the forms that arise in the mind like, I shouldn't be doing this, the form that arises in the mind like, I should be doing this, or I'm fixated on this. It's just a matter of continuing. It takes, takes some, some uh, patience, persistence. This is why they have uh, the, the paramitas of uh, Sandru or Virya exertion. It takes exertion. We sit down and, we, and we, it's not some, like, some, like digging a ditch, but there's a similarity. But we're going to sit here and we're going to do this and we're not going to look for any results. Tigetz from Norway has a question. Yes, Tigetz. He asks, how do we move in this world without a director when we know our ego self-centeredness is a construct of causes and conditions and not real? Mm -hmm. Well, I would say from the way the question sounds, uh, I would say just don't do much. If you're you're dealing with that kind of uh, um, whatever, it's kind of a existential quality that's happening and as long as that's happening then, then keep your activity to a minimum sit down which i happen to know i guess it spends a lot of time not doing much it's already so sit down look at your refrigerator hold still look train the mind stretch the mind so that you can see, so that when you when you see you're starting to see very accurately and how will that show up not separate everything it, it, we won't see anything else you just see this as it says, this little slogan on the, behind me here says, as it is, just another way of saying suchness. That's another way of saying just this. Final question, if there is one. Carmen. When we feel that urge in us to exile, is that... Again, please. Uh, yeah. When we feel that urge or desire to exile something... Um, exile? Exile, uh, to get rid of something. Okay, get rid of it. Um, is, that, is that part of attachment? attached to getting rid of it so it's a problem you get attached and fixated or you know how can i stop having this feeling or emotion this is why uh when i say why i don't know why not a psychiatrist not a therapist excuse me meditation teacher but this is why it, it becomes circular when you start to get rid of something that doesn't have a fundamental existence you're getting rid of a phantom not, not that you don't feel it not that you don't feel say, depressed, and you need to get rid of the depression. But what would uh, what I would say, and what my teacher, Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche, would say, the only way around anything is right through the middle of it. And that's difficult. It takes a lot of courage to, to, to be in this, uh, particular, this kind of a mix or this kind of a situation and have negativity, negative feelings come up that are in the form of whatever, depression or things with no story behind them or anxiety, no, no 
idea and if, if you come to me uh, talk to me about it uh, I will tell you probably it depends uh, everyone's a little different how they're handling these things but generally speaking uh, I will tell you to go right into it who you are can't be can't be destroyed and going right into it is going to be frightening because it means that oh my god what if this never ends what if I feel this anxiety constantly so the what usually happens or often happens is we we find a way to cover the anxiety up, either artificially or with drugs or something, or with some kind of activity. It's not that it's wrong to go and play golf every day at noon. You could do that, and it's not wrong. Golf is good. It's just that when we start to use things like that to cover something up, we miss our life. We actually don't really live our life. We live a part. We live something all covered up, and then there's no... No guarantee of anything, but the way it looks is uh, then when we pass out of this uh, body-mind situation, then the, that whole unexamined area starts to show up in another lifetime. And that doesn't mean you necessarily are reincarnated. More about that? Yeah. So the idea is just don't. Less is better. Spend as much time looking at Don't do anything about it until you absolutely have to. Look at it, look at it, look at it. If you watch it, and then it, because it has its own intelligence, because it's not separate from you, and then it will turn this way and turn that way. And it'll try to magnetize you into it to do something about it. Just a little drama there. And, uh, but if you do nothing with it, then uh, it can't get any energy. It only gets its energy through passion, aggression, and ignorance. Being pushed, being pulled, or being ignored. David? In that kind of situation, um, initially, can we bring one of the senses in it through, like, ASAP practice? You could. If you're, if you're spending a lot of time on, a, on the cushion looking at the wall, you could use you could use alternating sense awareness practice, going from the sense of touch to the sense of hearing, sense of seeing, to soften that whole area up. But it would be I don't think you can do that unless you already have a strong sitting practice. And when I say strong, I'm saying an hour a day or more. Thank you very much. I'd like to remind everybody about the donation boxes we have in the hallway. Please gratefully uh, receive and depend on your donations to help pay the mortgage and other bills that we have and support these teachings. We also accept payment online, debit and credit cards, checks in the mail, cash, but not Bitcoin yet. May this land trade into all places so that we and every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's way.